Discussion Podcast proudly presents the Raylo Special, hosted by Jared Bachman Stubbs. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dewback Discussion Podcast. I am Jared the Dark Jedi, and I am here with a very special friend. Um, someone you guys have heard me talk about on the podcast before. He is a member of New Regime Cosplay with me. He is also my cosplay partner in crime, doing the illustrious Obi-Wan Kenobi alongside with me whenever I do the Chosen One himself. And he also, also called Fake Beard Kenobi. Uh, fake, you... fake Beard Kenobi and some really mean memes. Um, I mean, it's true. It was fake. Yeah, it was, it was very fake. Um, uh, also does one mean Tenth Doctor, if I do say so myself. We have the one and only Spencer Spence Man cosplays on the air today, guys. How you doing, everybody? It's great to be here. Yeah. So, as a lot of you guys have heard on the show... Um, I am a Raylo enthusiast, as TJ put in my bio on the website. Um, I'm a big fan of the idea of Raylo, and kind of in the same style of the show that Steel Saunders did with um, the host of the Who Talks First podcast, we are going to kind of do a Raylo deep dive, only this time it is going to be formatted a little bit like a debate. Um... Spencer is coming here as a Raylo skeptic, and he and I are going to riff and kind of talk about the merits and um, fallacies, if you will, in the Raylo ship. Uh, this is going to be just a very raw back and forth between the two of us. Um, he is just as, if not more well-learned with Star Wars than I and he is the only person to have consistently beaten Jared at Star Wars. Trivial we weren't going to talk about that on the we air. We did, but we that, did that. Ooh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't mean to bring that up. TJ, cut that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep that out of the edit. Um, but yeah, so we're going to get the Raylo conversation started here. Uh, and for those of you at home who are listening who don't quite know, um, I don't know how you've gone this long listening to the show not knowing what Raylo is, how often I talk about it. But Raylo is the uh, quote unquote ship, if you will, uh, online nerd lingo there, 
for the idea of Ray and Kylo Ren ending up as a romantic couple. Um, it has been a hotly talked about idea, especially as of late, thanks to um, Who Talks First in Steel Wars. But with that, Spencer, you have the floor, sir. Well, I don't really know where to start. I guess um, in order to start the conversation going, I guess I should pre- present my my position on Raylo. I mean, as Jared introduced, I'm, I'm, I'm really not a fan of the idea. I think it's a terrible idea, both logically, <laughs> cinematically, you name it. I, I mean, a lot of that has to do with me just wanting some new material, and that seems like the too obvious uh, way that they're going to resolve the romantic uh, ends that aren't yet, aren't yet tied up with the trilogy. Um, but as Jared put, he is very much pro Raylo, and so I think that... When it when when it when it comes down to it, the best case scenario, um, relationship wise for the two of these uh, characters is that they end up with with a lifelong bond uh, of friendship. But I don't think it makes any sense for them to end up as a couple uh, for for reasons that I'm sure we're gonna dive straight into later. Um, but that's 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 the the idea behind my argument. Um, it's a very friendly debate, of course, but debate style makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'm going to teach the, uh, the toxic fans out there listening how to argue about something fake and in space in a civilized manner. <laughs> yeah. If you can't, if you can't argue about something as uh, ridiculous as that, then are you really a, an argumentative individual? No, just, just mean, yeah, just mean and loud <laughs> basically. But okay. So one of the things that you had mentioned and that I had seen all over the internet and, and in my own, uh, formulating of opinion is that. It seems like if this were to be a relationship, it would not be a very good relationship at all. And as I'm thinking about it more and more, and as I'm thinking about the the rapport that the two of these characters have had and the sort of interactions that Kylo has with other people, um, this relationship would remind me very much of uh, another relationship in, in fiction. And the, the first one that came to mind uh, was in Charles Dickens's novel uh, Oliver Twist. It's it's very reminiscent of of the Nancy and Bill Sykes uh, sort of a relationship that that Charles has written in that story, where despite the fact that Nancy and Bill are both neck deep in the in the nastiness that goes on in the gutter, they're both you know thieves. Bill is a is a murderer. They're 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 criminals to say the least, and yet Nancy has this bright disposition and she's the the matriarch of the gang and she seems to despite the fact that she's neck deep in it she seems to stay above all the crap that goes on around and is just a really pleasant individual whereas Bill Sykes is about as nasty a person as you can think of you know he's got a raggy you know chin strap sort of a beard he's got this this nasty top hat, a billy club for a cane, and and a and a bull and a bulldog named Bullseye that follows him around and, and is just you know his enforcer or whatever. So Hux, Hux basically, <laughs> Hux, Hux is, like, Hux is, is more like a, just an insolent little fucking Ren. chihuahua. He's just he's like, exactly, he's just, <laughs> he's just following him around and, and beating up on people. But as you see this story develop, you see on, on multiple occasions that Bill heartlessly and without remorse just kills people in cold blood he's robbing a house the owner comes down sees him he shoots him and leaves and that's the end of it and despite the fact that this is such an uh, an abusive relationship nancy sticks around and she and she 
has this line in the musical, like, as long as he needs me, I'll be around. And, and that's sort of an attitude while it's admirable. That's the sort of loyalty that, that goes, it, it's not a romantic loyalty. It's, it's a, it's a psychological dependency. And as we've seen in, in the, the sequel trilogy, Ray grew up with virtually nobody that cared for her whatsoever. And when Kylo says, you know, nobody cares about you. You're nothing, you're nothing to anybody except me. That sort of a dependency is established. And I mean, yes, she has Chewbacca, but she had Han. She had Luke. She had Leia, sort of. And we see what happened to those people. See, what you guys can't see is the way that he's looking at me like I killed Han Solo no, 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 and I no, murdered no, Luke listen, personally. Listen, I know that this isn't <laughs> what happened. <laughs> you, you haven't killed anybody as far yeah, as I know. You're looking at me like it's we, my we've fault. We've been friends for a long time. Have you been hiding <laughs> things from me? Bodies, maybe? But, but one like, of them disappeared on me. So. Well, okay, stop. Okay. <laughs> the cape flew in the wind. No, stop it. Stop. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But that's the sort of a relationship that it reminds me of, you know, and, and Ray is so desperate for a real connection. And so is Kylo for that matter. We have to think about what he grew up with, just whether he made it up in his head or whether, whether it's truthful or not, he perceives his problems, um, as being somebody else's fault. And every single time he recognizes that fault, he is eager to sever it. You know, he saw his father as being, you know, a disappointment for a, a father figure, and so he killed him. He saw Luke as being a disappointment for a father figure, and so he killed him. And he saw Snoke as being a disappearance, you know, or what, what am I trying to say? Disappointment, disappointment as a father figure. You. And so he killed him. I mean, I recognize that he did not actually kill Luke, but he tried to. He ran him through, you know? You cleaved him in half, the, and then he ran him through. It's the thought that counts. <laughs> it's the thought that counts. And... For those of you out there who are already following me and are chuckling and, and 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 just waiting for the big reveal, for those of you who don't know, at the end of Oliver Twist, Nancy has a moment where she alerts the police to Bill Sykes trying to kill Oliver Twist, the protagonist of the of the novel, and in response, Bill clubs her to death in the middle of the street. And if that's the sort of a if that's the sort of a hero's ending that we get in a parallel story. There's no there's no way I can see a, a romantic relationship happening there that isn't utterly abusive, Jared. All right, so um, this is going to be the first of many times where I am going to call out the novelizations of both The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. Um, in the novelizations, both of them, Ray, how do I put this? Ray is far less um, wanton for a connection than Kylo. Um, yeah, it is a big drive for her, and that loneliness is there, and it is very, very powerful for her. Um, but she is more. She is more driven to feel a connection than she is to actively be like, I need this. She is more inclined to just let the connection happen. And when it does, she feels it hard. Kylo is more akin to what you're saying. And I will concede that much. Kylo just 
Kylo Ren needs a fucking hug. <laughs> he, like, like someone needs to hug this boy. Now, um, the abuse aspect of that, um, I, I understand that point. And uh, as someone, as I was looking at your list, I saw the reference to uh, trying to kill her at one point. Um, so we can talk more about the actual physical abuse aspect when we get further down to that. Um, myself and a lot of people in the Rayla community view what understandably could be viewed as an abusive, manipulative statement. The whole, you're nothing, you have no place in this. You came from nothing, you're nothing, but not to me. That, in essence, sounds incredibly emotionally unavailable. It sounds incredibly, I know you want this connection just as badly as I do, and I'm going to tap that over your little nose. However, a lot of the things that Kylo Ren says and does, I think are born of a man whose psyche and capacity to feel have been incredibly strained and broken. I don't think that him saying you're nothing but not to me is so much a an abusive ploy so much as it is him being bad at flirting. Um, because the novelization, and if you he- listen to his voice and look at his face, he legitimately wants her to be with him. And there is a – like, and you hear him, like, please – like there is pain in his voice. He does not want her to turn away from him. And it is not about I just want you I just want to feel something. It is it's her. It's something about her that makes him feel his humanity again. Um in the Force Awakens novelization, Kylo Ren is incredibly cold and is incredibly almost robotic he monologues and has this air of almost disinterest with anything not relating to getting the job done for the first order it's all he cares about in the force awakens novel until his family becomes involved again and then it becomes personal and then it gets heated the way we see him do um however it is specified in the novelization that Kylo refused to use his more brutal and invasive tactics of interrogation on Rey. Um, in the novel, in like a third-person omniscient type thing, uh, you get inside of Kylo's head and he is thinking about how beautiful he thinks Rey is and how he doesn't. He doesn't have it in him to do to her what he did to Poe Dameron. Or, as we know in the canon, what he did to Del Mico. And in the Battlefront 2 campaign, when we see Kylo probe Del Mico's mind, it's an incredibly traumatic experience. Um, for those of you who didn't play the Battlefront 2 campaign, um, Del Mico, who was a uh, former Imperial Special Ops, he when Kylo goes to do the same thing he did to Poe Dameron, um, and kind of like break into his brain. He goes on. He sends basically sends Dell hurtling through his most traumatic memories. So Dell was on Scarif during the Battle of Scarif, and you see him on the beach 
with a bunch of shore troopers next to him. Everybody's getting gunned down. There's bodies everywhere, explosions. And then you see some of the darker, darker moments of the campaign itself seen through Dell's eyes. And we see and we hear Dell kind of crying out in agony during this scene in the same way that like whenever Kylo does it to Poe, Poe just starts screaming and eventually spills the beans about what's going on with the map to Luke and BB-8 and so on and so forth. Kylo tries a soft touch with Rey. He is slown to a, to a standstill by her, just by something about her. Just seeing her and feeling something about her in the Force, he goes, forget the droid, we're taking her with us. We need her, not the droid. We're good, we got her, we're done. And for somebody who in the novelization is set up as being so mechanically methodical about everything he's doing, for him to divert the mission that abruptly, that's a lot. Um, so something about her inherently makes Kylo Ren bring a little bit of Ben Solo back out. Um, Snoke, I believe in the, it's in the novelization, specifies that he failed to interrogate Rey successfully because he has compassion for her. And Snoke sensed it instantly. Um, once Kylo came into the little hollow room with Snoke, he was like, you have compassion for this girl. Stop. It's distracting you. I don't know what's going on here. You need to get back in the fight. Um, so I don't... Well, Kylo's feeling is legitimate, uh, as it's shown in the novelizations for both. And it is shown that anytime he speaks to her candidly in The Last Jedi, that is not the machinations of a manipulative darksider. That is somebody who is just as emotionally vulnerable as her, who has grown, grown accustomed to playing the strong, silent dominator. Um and I'm trying to make sure I'm covering all the points you covered. Um, oh, okay. Well, you said about him kind of pushing off responsibility and saying that uh, other people are responsible for what he's done. Yeah, right, right. Um, again, we're going to talk a whole lot about Kylo Ren's kind of psychology here um, and what I think the motivating forces are behind a lot of this. I I disagree that he shrugs responsibility. And again, in the a lot of this a lot of a lot of the reason that the novelizations come up so often with this conversation is because you get a glimpse into each character's brain better than you do in the movies. You can only do so much with that, whereas in the novelizations you get an opportunity to be like, this is exactly what Kylo is thinking, this is exactly how Ray is feeling. This is exactly how seeing that person in this moment is making them feel on the inside better than any actor can portray. Right. You, you, know? you have you have the liberty when you're writing to be to be more detailed, to be more in depth, and and that's the advantage you get to the novelization, which which admittedly few of the few of the fans have actually read, except yourself. Except myself. <laughs> um, but you know, get get an audible subscription and just binge listen to these. They're fantastic, all of them. Um, in the last Jedi novelization, it does a little bit of a flashback, 
and you get a little bit of information about Ben's upbringing and the fact that ben, that Han and Leia were both incredibly uncomfortable with Ben's power. And what was Han feeling what was both of them being afraid of a young child having to live with this much power and being a direct descendant of Vader and Luke and the inherited power that comes with that. Um, they were nervous and afraid of like, how do you raise this? And Ben as a young child, though Han and Leia's hearts were in the right place, he heard them argue about him all the time and heard him heard them argue about his power. And he felt like the other. He felt like a monster because of that. He felt like they thought of him as a living weapon. And that's all he was to them. A weapon that needs to be regulated and kind of hidden away. So they shipped him off to Luke. And then Luke had this very mentally disturbed kid who went most of his life being lied to. We find out that Ben is not he Ben does not know about his being a descendant of Darth Vader until later in life. He doesn't know. Like they don't they're not just outright honest with him and saying, Listen, you Anakin Skywalker was Darth Vader, and Luke is Darth Vader's son, and I'm his daughter, and that makes me and that makes you his grandson. I'm speaking from the perspective of Leia, and I don't know why. Um, you're you're on Leia Hope, um, but he was he they were just blat- flagrantly dishonest with him. They just they, he and I feel lying like, by omission. Lying by omission, but like that's a lot. Like Leia did not handle learning that she was Vader's daughter well, but. They put Ben in that same spot. Luke didn't handle it well. Plus, he was younger, too, than both of them were. Exactly. So he has, at a very young age, and granted, there's no right age to be like, hey. Your granddad your, is a psychopath your, killer. Yeah, your, your granddad <laughs> is responsible for multiple very bloody genocides, including one entire religious sect and an entire friggin' planet, just to name a few. Um so, yeah, there's not necessarily a right time to tell Ben, but to just make the decision very early on that we're not. And he has to find out ver- via the hollow net. Now his trust is lost in them. So he can't trust Han, Luke, and Leia. Han and Leia look at him like a monster in his eyes, in his mind. And that all comes together in the kind of climax of Ben losing his faith in his family in Luke considering killing him. And when Ben wakes up and sees that brilliant green blade lighting up his whole little cabin, and Ben snaps. And at this point, just going off of Luke's narration in that scene, Snoke was already a factor here. So Luke had so Ben loses Han, Luke, and Leia, father, mother, and mentor, two of whom see him as a monster, 
all three of whom felt the need to just not tell him the truth of where he comes from. Perhaps in his mind, you know, and this is a little bit of speculation here, but there's a little bit of a precedent and a way to kind of make this make sense. If he was upset by them not telling him the truth about Vader, and he's upset by the fact that they think he's too powerful for his own good, did they just not tell him because they were like, well, if you're this powerful and you know it came before you, you're going to be just like your grandfather. The fact that he becomes this Vader-obsessed man, that's no longer a shocker. When you have this information held from you, and you can kind of connect the dots, if he's right or not, if I'm right or not about that, that he goes, oh, you were so afraid of me of being like Vader. So he has all of this baked into his mind already. And then he has Snoke doing what all Darksiders do, just hanging that carrot of... You can be better. You can be stronger. This is what you want of the dark side over his nose. Upon Luke trying to kill him in his sleep, Ben has nothing and no one. And all of these people that he rightfully blames for his trauma and that lack of being able to connect emotionally. That has so much weight on somebody. And I... I have a hard time blaming Ben for being as almost seemingly cold as he is because literally everyone in his family let him down in a really big way. Regardless of their intentions, they all dropped the ball for him. And they never really made an attempt to clean it up. And that was on them to do. And Kylo reeling from that the way he does by being seduced to the dark side, becoming Snoke's puppet. I feel like he is then emotionally manipulated and abused into being the monster that he is. He does have a lot of culpability for the things he does. But in a very simple way, I think you can, you can take his, like you can take his charges from like, murder in the first degree, maybe down to like involuntary manslaughter almost because it's like he's, he's doing it under duress, duress of Snoke and manipulation of Snoke. He's a kid who has been molded into something he was never meant to be. Um, so the violence and cruelty was not something he was taught or born with. <clears throat> Pardon me. And whenever Ray is around him and he feels that connection with Ray, the Kylo Ren persona begins to melt. And he behaves like more like a normal person around Ray. <clears throat> And it's he, he is no longer the just eyes straightforward. We're gonna get the job done. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it right now. He melts with her, and again, and you know, Adam Driver is God's gift to acting, and the man is a, an incredible performer, and he is just so good at just that. Like everything just melts away, and it's Ray. He just immediately just looks right at her. Um, he is legitimately concerned for her safety during the Praetorian Guard fight. Like there are multiple times he's surrounded by guards and he just stops and looks at her. And he hear, hears her squeal whenever that one guard like 
um, slashes her arm. He was like, ah! He stopped, just immediately turns and looks right at her. Um, so I don't think that it is as analogous to that Oliver Twist idea because that was a woman chasing an unavailable man who the, that the man kept around. Whereas I think this is two people who, and again, Ray with all the abandonment issues and, um, you know, the dark side cave on Octu, it shows her nothing but herself, that she has no one but herself, which is simultaneously her greatest strength and her greatest weakness. Her independence and self-reliance makes her so powerful as a person, not in the force, but like as a person, that's what gives her that grit and that strength to do what she does. But it also leaves her wanting and wanting humanity and a human connection. And you have these two people who just want somebody. You have these two lonely people who both want somebody that they can just kind of melt away with. And that's what they have for each other. Yes, you're right about Kylo being analogous to Bill Sykes in that he is very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's very domineering and he has that, that's that streak of brutality to him. But where I do think Bill Sykes chooses it, I think Kylo Ren Ben Solo was made to believe that that's all he could be by Snoke in a state of not having anything left. Um, so that's my take on that chunk of it. Right. So, um, so you have said that what what was perceived as a dependence uh, was really a connection, and that and that every time we see Kylo looking at Rey, that's that's a that's a legitimate, you know, a, there's there's a wanting for connection there. You you made a good point there about um, Kylo not so much being the emotionally unavailable one as Bill Sykes is, um, but nevertheless. It seems to me that based on um, all of that, both of them have a really like, – like you just explained, both of them have a, have a really messed up past that leaves them wanting for a serious connection. But let's say even if Rey and Kylo were to, were to come together and to make that connection a permanent bond, the two of them would have to square with Kylo's past eventually. They would have to come to terms with all of that. Absolutely. And so that like so what what would that look like? Because it's hard to foresee even though the it seems in the movies there's there's no transition it would seem between Rey absolutely hating Kylo and the touch, you know, well, <laughs> whenever they're in, they're they're in the hut and 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 the two of them touch, touch hands and he appears in the room. Yeah, you the, need the to follow touch. a couple like Raylo Instagram accounts so you can see like how much people hang on that goddamn hand touch. It's a touch. I'm one of I'm one of them. Don't get me wrong. Like that, every hair on my body stood up during that scene. Um, no, I yes, you do have to square Kylo's. Yeah, because, because she goes from straight like you're a murderous snake, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden they're buddy buddy, and so it seems almost as if she has completely forgotten 
all of his his previous crimes, all all the the lives that he's taken, all including that of his father for crying out loud. Well, you also in have cold blood somebody that she appreciated, somebody she saw as a father figure. However, um, however falsely, according to Kylo, he was justified, or at least he was made to think so, as you suggest. But even so, even if at the end of the day the two of them are left standing and they have that affection for each other that becomes a permanent bond, how does that work? How do you square – if you're Ray, how do you square living with a man who killed s- several people who are dear to you? And if you're Kylo, how do you live with yourself? Um, that, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent question. Um, I think a lot of that is born of, again, Ray um, – this is also important, again, something that is specified in the novelization that we don't actually see mentioned in the film necessarily. Um, during the interrogation scene on Starkiller Base and The Force Awakens, that is the moment where their force bond is kind of born. And in that scene, and this is the line that actually gave birth to Raylo, was when he was probing her mind. Don't be afraid, I feel it too. And I think that proves that Ray was feeling something just as much as Kylo was. And that there was like this weird, not even like a physical chemistry, like the same way that like sometimes you can look at somebody and be like, I know nothing about you, but just something feels right about your presence. Um, Speaking from experience, Jared? No, this is, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Raylo for life. Um, there is a... I, I, I know other people have felt that, though. I've heard people – I've talked to people. I know that's a thing. Yeah, sure. Um, that's aside the point. Uh, there is that – they feel that kind of connection through the Force. Almost in a way where like the Force is connecting them. Like before like they start seeing each other in The Last Jedi through the Force projections and the Force bond, they're like – there's a link in the Force between the two of them. And Kylo realizes that she, there's something running through her brain. And that split second, he's like, don't be afraid. I feel it too. So I think Ray feels that mutual, like, we're supposed to kind of be around each other, which I think she is suppressing by lashing out at Kylo. She also doesn't know the trauma and doesn't know about the background. But Kylo is especially by comparison of how she last saw him being incredibly as best as he can tender with her for somebody who the last time you saw her damn near cut your face off. And upon seeing you again, shot you in the chest he is in again, this is Mr. He throws a temper tantrum you know, what droid turns on the lightsaber, destroys the computer console, trashes the interrogation room when they he finds out she was released. Which also, just a sidebar, I've seen people say that he lashes out because he's angry he doesn't like have her at his disposal anymore. I think that's more to do with him just looking bad. Explain. Like, huh? Explain what you mean by that. I, I've seen people kind of be like, oh, like he like that the like, he like this is proof that it's abusive, like he freaks out because 
like, oh, I don't have her. Like, it's about her being gone. Whereas I think it's more to do with, like, I'm going to look like a fucking idiot because <laughs> I left her alone with a stormtrooper and now she's gone. <laughs> I think that's more like – I feel like that's more like Hux is going to take the piss out of me more than it's like she's gone. Like, he's, he's I, I think he's upset that she's gone. But I think that, like, blind rage when he – because he goes, gone! Like – I think that's more frustration that like he's gonna look like a well, moron. I, th- I think he's upset as any one of us would be if it was our head on the block. Exactly. If a yeah. prisoner that important was to escape, yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable for anybody to to be a little ticked off about it. You yeah, know? no, yeah, yeah. But on on the basis of like he's angry because he wants to like have her cooped oh, no, up. No, no, no. Like never, he wants to put her in a box. I never saw that. In yeah, that scene at all. I've, I've but, seen people bring that up before, so I, I that, that's my you explanation. Touch for your that. bases. Yeah, you touching touch my bases. bases. It came up naturally. Um, I th- so as Last Jedi goes on, I think she is able to peel back the layers of Ben Solo and starts to see him more as a person. And we see that tenderness slowly slip away, and then the moment the touch happens, they gain full access to the other one's mind. Like, in that moment, everything that Kylo Ren knows, Rey now knows. And everything that Rey knows, Kylo Ren now knows. And that's actually why Rey is able to hold her own during the Praetorian Guard fight. Is because in that moment, Kylo chooses to focus on Rey's life... And like everything that led her to where she is and truly learns her trauma where she's like, hey, Luke and Snoke trained you. I'd I'd like to know how to use this glow stick a little bit better. And that's why their fighting styles emulate each other. And like from the brief exposure they've had to each other's minds, you can kind of see it sneaking in there the way they both like really use the reverse grip. And like the, how a lot of them do almost similar or almost identical sequences with their lightsabers. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Ray fusing her own staff training with like, I don't know why I think I should flip into a reverse grip, but this feels right. Um, Doesn't she do that when she's training herself on Octo too, though? Yeah, and that, that's, that's what that's I'm saying. Pre-touch. Is it like, that's pre touch, but I'm saying like that's proof that like they have bits of each other kind of there already from their because bond because the bond root. starts in the interrogation is what you're saying yes okay and that like I'm part, is it is it part of her goes this feels like a thing i'm supposed to do i also think a lot of that has to do with the staff training and the way like she swings the lightsaber a lot the way she would does her staff but you can see elements of kylo's fighting style deliberately show up pre-touch and then post-touch in the guard scene, she looks like she's fighting like Kylo at a different skill level. Like, she knows the material. It's a matter of executing it. And that's why Kylo is so much more potent than her. Because if you look at her, like, granted, there's, like, whenever all of them are swarming them, and, like, you know, at that point, just swinging your lightsaber anywhere, you're going to hit somebody. So I don't know how many kills she racks up when they're back-to-back, but when they split up, I think Ray only goes through like two or three of the guards. Kylo kills all of them. By himself. Like, he's surrounded. Most of that fight, he like it is like three-on-one for Kylo. 
and he's cutting through all of them. Just by virtue of knowing what he knows, Ray is able to hold her own against two or three and win. Not by any good margin. She barely escapes with her life with each encounter. But she is still able to use what she's garnered from his brain. So that connection is there, and it's very strong. And it had to be there for Snoke to connect them. So it's real. What they're feeling for each other is real. And I truly think that that part of their arc is what will let Kylo forgive himself and Ray helping him once he's made the right choice. He has to choose the light side for this to work. And for him to do that, he has to look his monsters and his demons in the eye. But all of this exists because their connection is so real. Um, and it's something that they both they both know that there is more to the other one than what meets the eye. So, yeah, that got a little bit kind of explaining plot holes a bit because no, we, we brought it back around. We brought it back around, but it was just like you know talking about the touch yeah, and that mental connection. But the um, touch we're gonna need we're gonna touch upon the touch later. So it's good that we established okay, yeah. the touch. There's a, there's a precedent <laughs> yeah. for the touch now. Of course, okay. of course. And so that being said. I want to ask still something along these same lines. So in the touch, as as is, I'm told, explained by Ryan Johnson during an interview somewhere sometime. Yes. Um, he said that <laughs> as he was directing this scene, the touch is the closest thing to a sex scene he could put in a Star Wars movie. Is this accurate? Yes. Okay. So here's my question. If this is supposed to be... Um, what a sex scene is in a movie is going to obviously it's going to show there's a passionate connection. There is there is more than just there's intimacy. Yeah. There's an intimacy there exactly. So it, even after if if this is supposed to be the the touch intimacy moment, if this is intended to be the connection that is a permanent one that establishes a long term committed connection by the force by the heart, whatever it is, it does not do very well to explain Kylo's or Ray's actions afterward. In the scene when Ray is boarding the escape pod on the Falcon, she's jettisoned in the space, she gets picked up uh, by the supremacy in the hangar bay. Guess who's waiting for Kylo? Oh, just what I thought. Just what I hoped. Just the guy I wanted to see. It's, it's Kylo, <laughs> along with about, about an 5, entire 000, battalion. Yeah, exactly. First like, order an, an armed reception, shall we say? That's an, that's a really nice way of putting it. We're going to <laughs> we're going to take all the pomp and circumstance necessary <laughs> to escort you to the supreme leader, who will promptly kill you. That's not exactly the sort of a, a I, reception I don't think, oh, you receive, like. I don't think Ben thought he was going to kill her, first of all. I don't think... Even even if he didn't think he was going to kill her, he knew nothing good was going to happen. (laughs) What do we we see on Ray's face when she pulls in? She sees, ah, yes, Ben, he's here. What does does Ben look like? What What is on Kylo Ren's face? It is either the face of someone who is about to knowingly and willingly turn somebody over... Or it is the face of somebody who is going to, even if he doesn't agree with it. 
that's sort of that's sort of a, a complacent. Uh, a, a, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? He just does what he knows Snoke is is wanting of him, and he does what Ray thinks she wants. She thinks she wants to be brought in front of Snoke and in front of Kylo to make this grand uh, conversion back to the light side. But when she sees the look on Kylo's face, the look that tells her you're going to see Snoke and you're not going to like what you find. That's you can see it on her face, how disappointed she is. You can see how how unexpected it is. So if that is if if that is supposed to be this this grand moment of intimacy at the touch. It is very clear at that point that she no longer believes that what they shared was what she thought it was. Because if it was, then she wouldn't see that look on his face and react the way she did. She is so utterly disappointed with him that she just, you know, do you know what I'm getting at? I see what you're getting at. And I hear what you're getting at. I think, I think that Ray, Ray knows that it, some way or another this has to involve Snoke. And I never took Kylo Ren's reception of Ray as a I gotta take you to Snoke now. Um She does not enter the supremacy in any discreet way. And I think the armed battalion of stormtroopers has more to do with Hey, we have an energy reading of a ship out there. And there's something with a life form coming in here. So mobilize some troops, because this could be really fucky. Well, um, let's look at episode I, I think, four. I when think they pull the more... Falcon into the Death Star, there's like maybe a dozen people in the entire hangar. And yeah. there were there were four four life forms aboard that vessel. This is like a, a, a glorified coffin that she's in. I, I yeah I know and I'm, it's also the first order so everything's super extra as yeah, well yeah yeah it's a good so like, <laughs> that's, it, that's a good point so uh, there's also something to be said for like how many stormtroopers were in that hangar whenever uh, Finn and Rose were about to be executed that is a, an obscene amount so like maybe <laughs> maybe that's just a staging area as well and maybe that maybe that's why there's a ton of stormtroopers you may be right you may be. Mixed with, hey, there's a ship and a thing coming. Can we get some boots over Battle there? stations. Can we get some people over there, please? Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> this doesn't look right. Let's put some boots on the ground. <laughs> um, so I think that th- that's kind of why I thought there was a bunch of stormtroopers there. Okay. Ben's face, I see that more as somebody who is like, I don't know what the fuck you're doing here. I don't know what you think is happening right now. But my hands are kind of tied with what we can do at this point. And we need to go see the big guy now, because you left me with no option not to. Um, I also think that um, their vision, when they're talking, when he said, when she says, I know what you're going to do, and you will not bow before Snoke, you'll join me, you'll turn back to the light. And he says, no, you'll actually turn to my side. What they're seeing is the Praetorian Guard fight. And what they see is the other one standing next to them, fighting side by side on the same team. And Kylo, I don't think Kylo knows what his plan is. And I actually saw this one post on like one of the many Raylo Instagram pages I follow, um, talking about how you know 
Kylo Ren walking into Snoke's throne room with Rey, not knowing what the hell his next plan is, not having no plan, not knowing what the next step is, is the most solo thing ever. Is to just walk in there with no plan, flying by the seat of your pants, and end up becoming the leader of this government. <laughs> by the end of it, is just the most solo, you know, accidentally falling into every situation. Like, you Perfectly. know, he's his father's son. Right, clearly. of course. Um, he's a lucky boy. He's a lucky boy. He has the luck and the force on his side. Um, so, I... I don't think... Ben had any like, real course of action prepared. I think he was just like, maybe he'll turn to the dark side and we'll be on the same team and Snoke and I can train you, question mark? Maybe? <laughs> um, I, do, I don't... I think Ray was trying to solicit her vision. And I think Kylo was probably incredibly confused as to how that vision happens. So he just kind of rolled with the punches. And I don't think what he had in mind for Rey was malicious at all. Because the moment Snoke hurts her, the camera cuts back to Kylo, and there is just fucking murder in his eyes. Like, he looks up at Snoke with contempt. And we have not seen that look of, like, you just died on his face like that. He was seething with rage and that wasn't the, you know, destroys the computer, crushes the helmet, you know, chokes out Huck's rage. That was like, you're hurting my person. You don't get to touch her. No, you're a dead man. He saw her hurt. And he literally threw this tiny little thing that he had for a life at this point out the window to save her life. Everything he had left was Snoke in the First Order. And seeing her in pain because of that was enough to make him throw all of that out the window. And just act, do something incredibly reckless, incredibly insane. By the numbers, shouldn't have worked. But it was let her get hurt and let her die. This person who is the first being in the galaxy to just look at him in all of his hurt and all of his trauma and go... You deserve companionship just as much as everybody else. And I'm not going to use you for the anger you have inside of you. I'm not going to cast you off like you're some kind of abomination because the amount of metachlorians in your bloodstream. And I am not going to be so scared by your darkness that I want to get rid of you. He saw all of the different ways that everybody else around him failed him. And he he saw that she wasn't that. And it was enough for him to act and save her by putting his own life on the line to do so. So I don't think what he did there was in any way 
treating Ray in a disposable fashion as you kind of made it sound. And deliberately putting Ray into harm's way. Because once she fell into harm's way, all bets were off. Um, so no, I think Ben was acting with, acting with her best intentions in mind. I just don't think he knew what to do. <laughs> I think he was just so like, okay. Just kind of rolling with the punches, made the wrong call, and then saved her from that wrong call. Right, so on the that's a good point that you make. So on the opposite side of that scene, we have Ray, and her reaction at the end of all of this is when Kylo is on is on crate battling what he thinks is Luke Skywalker in the Flash, but it turns out to just be who tried to murder him when he was a kid. Okay, 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 <laughs> but it passed like a fleeting shadow. We established this. But anyway, regardless, so he is, he gets a pass. He, for is, freaking he out. is for the second time trying to kill a significant figure in Ray's life. But if we're to believe Jared, he gets a pass just this once. Not, not a nice, just, okay, just, we, just this okay, twice. Luke is a little bit different. A he, little bit. He doesn't. Okay. But that's not the point I'm trying to make. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about the father figures in a minute. Okay. okay. So Kylo is there, just finished his quote fight with Luke. Luke. And the resistance is escaping through the crystal caves with the with the little cute yeah. fox creatures, right? The crystal critters. As Ray is lifting the boarding ramp, they get that last glimpse of a connection in episode eight, and they they look into each other's eyes for for a hot sec, and you might think there's some sort of a a connection that they're going to make here. This something is going to be said. There's there has to be something. This wouldn't be there if it didn't have a purpose. Beep! And she hits the button and the ramp goes up. She chooses her friends over Kylo. After all of that, after after the touch, after the, the throne room scene, after all of this, I'm willing to kill the only other person that ever cared about me for you from Kylo's perspective. After all of that, she still chooses her friends over him. Because she knows that any sort of a relationship that could be had there is going to be destructive, maybe not to her, but to the people around her. And so I think she makes that choice to protect what friends she has left besides him. Because at the moment, everybody in the entire galaxy that she cares about is on that planet. And it's the one person that she has the greatest connection with. Versus everybody else. And so it seems to me like her choice is clear. If there was anything left besides no. As much as I've enjoyed the time we've spent together, this can't be a thing. That's the choice that she has to make. And she makes it. What do you think about that? I think everything you just said is right. With a caveat. This cannot be a thing. <laughs> Hold on. You're right, but you're missing one very important part. This cannot be a thing. This will not work. Yet. That's a that's a and that's a supersized yet though. That's a big yet. But big yet. Um that, but that she, was weird. Don't do that yeah. again. <laughs> big yet. However, it is a yet that is based around Ben needing to choose the light. And 
I think that is Ray looking at him and going, oh, there's a lot of potential for you to do a lot of good. But you're not ready to give up, give this up yet. And I've always, I've always said, and I've always thought that you can look at the dark side like an addiction, and that most people who use the dark side become addicted to it, and it brings out the worst of whoever gets trapped into that addiction. And right now, Ben's loneliness and his depression and his hatred and self-hatred, aside from feeling legitimate happiness, or the closest thing he's felt to legitimate happiness in a very long time with Ray, right now he is still incredibly dependent on that dark side addiction. He is still incredibly dependent on, oh, I'm angry, I'm pissed off. Dark rage, I'm going to destroy the room. And, mm. He's still so rooted in that, that I think Ray is recognizing this, this has, like, this has good bones. This has, this has a really good foundation. But you still need to make this really big change if this is ever going to work. And truly, I don't think Luke has that beautiful line he says to Leia if that wasn't the case. With that the whole, not everyone is no, really lost sort of a line? No one's ever really gone. He says, I can't save your son. And then he also says, no one, no one's ever really gone. It's because Luke can't. His whole family failed him. Kylo doesn't want to hear shit from his family. Ray is the only one who can pull him back from this. And going a little bit of a diversion here. Um, one of, I've said on the show a few times, uh, George Lucas is a great story guy. Um, just don't leave him alone in a room with a script. Please however, don't. please don't. However, one of George Lucas's greatest quotes that people kind of made fun of, and it was kind of a meme for a minute, but it's true. Star Wars is like poetry; it rhymes. And what we have in Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo is the ultimate rhyme of Anakin and Vader. Only Kylo Ren is reverse Vader. Vader, as Anakin, is born into nothing. He is a slave, albeit with a prophecy built around him. But nonetheless, he is born into nothing. Skywalker doesn't mean shit when he is born. He's brought into the Jedi Order and is ostracized because his human connection is just a little bit too strong. And his romantic love sends him down a dark path of destruction that sends him what we would think is past the point of no return, where he can only be brought back by the love of family. That saves him and redeems him. 
Ben Solo is born into an extremely prominent family. One of incredible influence and legacy. His human connection is incredibly diminished by the fact that he ha- he feels very little love of family. Which sends him down this wanton path of destruction where if we want to completely finish the rhyme and have what Luke said be true, that no one is ever truly gone. Where Anakin was destroyed by romantic love and saved by familial love, Ben Solo will be destroyed by familial love and will find his redemption in romantic love. And I don't think, nor do I want Ben to choose the light side and actively choose to fix the mess he made because, to quote CinemaSins, the power of boners is stronger. Our favorite favorite sin. Our favorite CinemaSin, (laughs) right up there with the uh, Ahsoka looks like a... Cat so that's proud of the shit that missed the litter box. box. Oh yes. Um, two favorite sins. <laughs> I don't. Boner is stronger. I don't want Kylo Ren to turn his back on the dark side because the power of boners is stronger. And even though, and obviously, Cinema Sins knows that is an incredibly oversimplified way of describing. Oh, of course, of course. And we know that, that is an incredibly oversimplified way of breaking down a romantic. But action. It, but it is it is the the boiled down truth. Incredibly boiled down. It's very redactive. Yeah, and the anti sequel trilogy group is going to take that and fucking run with it. So I think it is incredibly diminutive to Ben's arc. I think it's incredibly diminutive to Ray's arc, and it just gives fuel to people who just want to say awful things about these movies. But if Ben and um, the woman from who talks first i want to say it's her name is courtney she put it incredibly well when she had her deep dive with steel on steel wars where she said um part of the core of raylo is that ben solo in choosing the dark side every time he chooses the dark side he is thinking that the dark side is eventually going to make him happy and then being incredibly disappointed with his decision. Whereas all he has to do one time is choose the light side and that not be something that makes him miserable. And that Ray should not be... Ray should not... Being with Ray should not be the reward for turning to the light side. However, opening the door to that would naturally be the byproduct of it. Because I feel like what is implied by The Last Jedi is her her stipulation for Ben is you need to choose what's right before I can choose you. So that is how I rationalize door closing is that is a big i'm gonna put a pin in this and i want you to do better but not now but not now you're not ready all right and i can't be with you if you're like this okay 
So you have placed incredible emphasis on what it means to Ray and like how her as a character and how she thinks and how she processes everything has shaped a lot of what goes on between the two of them. Yeah, Ray is an inc- and he is they are on two opposite ends of the spectrum of how you handle traumatic loneliness. Ray is incredibly receptive to human connection. Is in, it is incredibly compassionate. Is incredibly kind-hearted. Whereas Kylo is incredibly closed off and alone. Like he has, he almost has this, he almost has this self-imposed like, I'm alone because I'm not worth being around mm. kind of mentality. I think, mm. and I, I think. You have the, what you're looking at is the good of what could happen when these two things meet, um, and the way that like his his darkness lets her let a little bit of what she has repressed by virtue of trying to like smile in the face of adversity that like his darkness. It lets her let it out a little bit and her compassion soothes him and it makes him see that she can go through something not identical but similar to what I went through with being cast off by your family which isn't which isn't what his family does to him well they do in a sense they do in a sense but not in the same way that not in the same way that Ray's no, family does. But it doesn't change the fact that he is that that's how they made him feel. And, you know, it's it's one of those examples where like I can I can punch you right in the face and break your nose. Deliberately. Or please don't. I I won't. <laughs> or you could be standing next to a door, I don't know, and I open the door really fast and crack you in the face and I break your nose. Regardless of whether or not my my intention was to bust you in the face or not, I've got a busted face. You have a busted face. Same kind of principle here. Did Han and Leia mean to make their kid feel like a fucking monster? No. Did Luke mean to make this kid lose all faith in his family? No. Did they have the best of intentions by not telling him the truth of his lineage? Yeah. They they went. God, it fucked me up to find out I'm the child of Darth fucking Vader. You know? And it's like, and it's not going to be any easier for you to go, I'm the grandkid of Darth fucking Vader. It's not an easy revelation. They had the best of intentions. But it didn't pan out. But it it worked in the opposite direction. And it did nothing but hurt. So... I think that's kind of the the catch twenty two that they were in. Where like they were like, oh, we're trying to do what's best for Ben, not realizing we're hurting him every step of the way here. So, you know, I don't, I don't want this to be like a complete like character assassination of Han, Luke, and Leia because it's not. They had the best of intentions, but they dropped the ball. Um, except for Luke. Turning on the lightsaber in the hut, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> bad Luke. Bad, bad. Put it down, Luke. Don't <laughs> do that, Luke. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, you know, 
it was in good faith, but they fucked up. And, you know, Ben comes by this trauma, honestly. So they, Ray, Ray soothes him where Ben emboldens her. Like, I think Kylo or Ben, like, ignites that fighting spark in her. And Ben, and Ben is eased by her. So, like, they, they gain the other one's strength. Yeah. Like, Kylo slash Ben's strength is his, is his indomitable will. And the fact that, like, yeah, I'm fucked up. And I, I, I should, I should probably just go lay down for a little bit. But I'm going to keep fighting. Which is in a literal, physical, and um, emotional way. That is who he is. Yeah, he's proved for better it or worse. In, in the movies and the novelization, as you said, like like he tanked a, a bowcaster shot and still went head to head with the with the two of them. Like and, he has proved that he is a persistent son of a gun. He's going to get up and keep going. And you're saying that's the sort of a spirit that he inspires in Ray, whereas the, the peace of mind that she has and the Ah, that, that that calming, that soft touch, right? You know? is, is what she yeah, gets from. and she's she's just as persistent. Um, where I think Kylo is incredibly cavalier, she is incredibly brave. Hmm. Um, and and again, it's that Ray has the indomitable spirit, where Kylo is just this unstoppable force. Like again, like I said, like he gets shot and hit with a lightsaber a couple times. And the motherfucker won't die. And he just won't stop. <laughs> he just won't stop fighting. And then he hits it. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> <laughs> this is my favorite thing ever. Um, it's ballsy, man. Yeah, but but by virtue, in that same scene, we see Ray instinctively reach out with the Force and go, "Uh-uh, I'm fighting you." And it's that it's that it's that will and that bravery, and that like no, like look the issue in the face. Whereas Kylo is just kind of like, I'm fighting because I should probably be fighting. <laughs> Almost. Um, but yeah, that's that That's that topic for me. That's so. good stuff, man. Well articulated. Thank you. So like, my thoughts now move more toward the, the cinematic development of character uh, between the two of them. Okay. Um, less about the, the in-universe kind of what's going on in their heads and more and more about how they're writing the characters. Yeah. And so the first question on my mind or the, the first thing that is bugging me about, um, about Raylo is it has to do with the, the concept of a Mary Sue character. Do you want to walk us through that real quick? Okay. Yeah. 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 And I, I, um, this is probably going to be my next big essay on the Dubac website. Um, a Mary Sue, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a character who uh, seemingly has very little difficulty in being uh, brought to greatness. Everybody likes them, and they're incredibly good at everything they do. Um, for example, off the top of your head, anybody? Uh, people kind of stereotypically refer to Superman as a Mary Sue. I don't think he is, but like, if you kind of look at a very boiled down look at Superman of just being like the, 
the airtight Boy Scout. Right, he's born with the power. Born with he, the power. He's brought he's, up with all the right yeah, he's, moral principles. To, like, yeah, he, he could do no wrong. He, yeah, he has the powers of a god, and he would never abuse them. And he's just clean cut, and you put him next to somebody like Batman, and you go, God damn, isn't Superman a good guy? And, <laughs> you know, um, but obviously Clark Kent slash Kal-El has a lot more going on there. Um but in a very diminutive way, um, a lot of you could you could say if you don't truly get what's going on with Superman's character, Superman's Mary Sue. Right. Um, I do not like the distinction of Mary Sue whatsoever. Um, I think it is very often thrown around in a I don't like this character, so, so I'm going I'm going Mary to say Sue. that I'm going to say that everything they did in this story they had no right to it in the first place. Um, so. It, it's also not an actual literary term. Um, Mary Sue is, came from the fan fiction community. Uh, it is meant to be used as a way of complaining about a fan fiction and saying that this is clearly the author trying to insert themselves into the story. So I avoid using the term Mary Sue very often. Uh, I also don't think there were very many characters in fiction who really meet that criteria because again, I feel like Mary Sue is just such a, like, it's just a Molotov cocktail that just basically translates to, I don't like this character and I don't want any of their accomplishments or accolades to mean anything. Um, there is merit to it sometimes though, but more often than not, it's kind of used in a very slapdash kind of get them out of here kind of way. And some of the internet arguments out there have, have put that label on Ray as a character. Yes. And I know that you disagree with that. We've talked, we've touched upon that before. And I also disagree with the idea of, of Ray as a Mary Sue, which is why Raylo is so disagreeable with me because in making Ray the instrument of Kylo's redemption, as it were, it seems to me like that only increases the plausibility of a Mary Sue character type for Rey. Like she's born with power, she's born humble, and she's born with what audiences would consider to be a correctly oriented moral compass. And I don't think we ever we ever see her do anything really morally objectionable on screen and say, well... That is a terrible idea. You're not supposed to do that to a person. Why would you kill that person? Like we can obviously say that Kylo Ren makes some of these objectionably morally objectionable yeah. flaws, yeah, 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 but, but yeah, yeah. we don't see that kind of you know more rebe- rebellion from Ray. So the threat for the Mary Sue, ne- while neither of us agree with it, is there. And so to make her in this story, um, uh, like I said, the instrument for Kylo's redemption, it's just. If she could already do no wrong, why do they have to prove it by making her do the ultimate right? You know what I'm saying? I see what you're getting at. Um, I'm going to focus on the Kylo's effect on that story aspect of that. Um, Okay. Um, I had to pause it real quick there. Um, TJ, you can play around with this where you have to. but no, I'm going to focus more on the uh, implications that Raylo could have towards the Mary Sue debate more than the actual Mary Sue debate itself. Right. Um, Ray is not 
for my interpretation of Raylo and what I think the ideal Raylo outcome is, Ray is not she is not the instrument of Kylo's redemption so much as Kylo is looking at her as a model for what the right thing to do is. It is not Ray saying, hey, if you stop being a fucking psycho, I'll be your girlfriend. It is <laughs> stop being a fucking psycho murderer because it's the right thing to do. And you're in a position where you can end this war right now. So if, if Ray is being that the right thing to do is not what you're doing, that's that's the that's the perfection of the Mary Sue. Is it not? In the same capacity that Luke is the perfection of the Mary Sue because he brings Vader back. Decent point. It's elaborate. You know, it for Luke to bring back who is arguably more heinous of a person than Kylo Ren just by virtue of dad I know you don't want to do this dad come on knock it off dad will you stop (laughs) father help me that's all it really took for that final switch to hit in Vader's brain for him to kill Sidious So if all Luke really had to do was, you know, just kind of tug at those heartstrings just a little bit and then put himself in danger (laughs) with Palpatine, um, I don't I don't think it's that unreasonable for Kylo to just kind of see Rey as like this as the best that he could be. And see, like, you are this incredibly lonely person, this incredibly traumatized person who is choosing the right thing to do. I should be like you. I'm going to be like you. I'm going to fix this. And a lot of the Raylo appeal is that they are this incarnation of the balance of the Force. And that you have in Ray light with darkness within, and you have in Ben darkness with light within. So to a point, if that symbolism is to be carried out and like you are to fully execute the rhyme and the symbol and this the symbolic aspect of this relationship, Ray needs to be inherently good. And there has to be an inherent darkness to Kylo Ren that will never be completely purified, that shouldn't be completely purified. Because quite frankly, you don't come back from the things that's happened to him completely. He can make the choice of being a better person, being emotionally available to Rey, which... We don't have any really real reason to think that he wouldn't be. Maybe a little dense about it because that just was never something he was taught or shown. 
you know, when you're when you're the kid of Han Solo, I don't think that very often you're seeing what emotional transparency looks like. Um, you know, if you're being brought up as a Jedi who, you know, there's no real knowledge of what Luke's Jedi Order was like, but I can only imagine that he was more embracing of emotion in the long run. Um, you know, just because you don't hear Ben talking about how strict Luke was with the way he handled the Jedi. And, you know, surely he's at least partially aware of what happened, the way Yoda and Windu ran things. So, you know, Ben's going to be dense about it, but I don't think he's going to be deliberately emotionally unavailable with Ray. And I don't think that um, Ray is expecting him to be 100% clued into himself. And I think the beauty of Raylo, which unfortunately is going to be something that is probably off screen and perhaps implied by the audience or written into comics or novels or what have you is seeing this very hurt person who has not handled his hurt well adjust himself to being around someone who isn't actively using or hurting him. And I think that's going to be a big part of it. But Kylo needs to choose the light. And he has to be shown as the... Who talks first person? I want to say your name is Courtney. Hopefully you're right. I, th- I think... <laughs> no, when I called into the Steel Wars tonight, he said Courtney. I want to say it's Courtney Everett. But that name is coming to me so quickly that I feel like it's wrong. I, I have experienced that. Or I'm like, I well. know I know I know your name. I know I don't, but I feel like I do, and I think it's this. So I want to say it's Courtney Everett. If I'm completely wrong, send me all your hate mail on Twitter. Um, but At Dark Jedi, Jedi 2552, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not helping you no. reply to your hate mail. Yeah, I'm, I'm not asking I'm you to. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, but – No, I don't – Kylo needs to choose the light. And whether that comes from him learning by example from Rey or that comes from him choosing it independent of Rey. Either way, Rey is only involved so much as a – like as someone who can help him get his foot in the door with the light side. You know, he, he, he needs something to, 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 to pull him back the same way Vader needed. The same way I truly think if you're going to come back from the dark side, you need someone to pull you over from that. Like you, you, you just need – again, like an addiction. You just need someone to be like, it's going to be okay. Just let us help you make it okay. So that's that's the role I think Ray would fulfill. And I think to say that she is a Mary Sue for doing that, you also need to say that Luke is a Mary Sue for doing it to Vader. Or a Marty Stu. Yeah, or, <laughs> or a Marty Stu, yeah. <laughs> so if it seems to me like a lot of this a lot of this whole conversation not only hinges on um, 
on what Kylo has experienced in his past, but also what Ray is as a character and what she's able to provide for him in the path of healing. Right. Yes. Yes. So that's a, that's a, right. it's, a, it's, it's not mutually exclusive. It's not, is it's not one way, but the more fascinating aspect of it is Ray's capacity to help and heal him. Um, in the context of this being a not problematic relationship and in the context of it being something um, not analogous to a abusive Joker and Harley type situation where you have somebody who at her core has a good heart mixed with somebody who is holy shit terrifying – Kylo gives her the companionship she wants as well. And like I said, he shares that like, no, let it out a little bit. Not as much as I do, but let it out a little bit, you know? Um, so they both have something to gain. It's just that I think Ray's helping Ben is more fascinating. It is more fun to watch and adds more to the story. Um, for me, personally. Um, I'm sure that people could get as much of an investment out of seeing Kylo help Ray as well. Um, but for me, it's it becomes so much more fascinating when he comes back to the light. And if as if if <laughs> in, in, speaking presumably presumably as, as we are meant to believe as we're meant to believe if this pans out the way that I am thinking and predicting, it is born of Ben Solo returning and. Um, as much as I like the yin yang, the dark and the light kind of symbolism and whatnot, um, I don't like the idea of them being full sail romantically involved while he is still identifying himself as Kylo Ren. Um, I will also point out he is, and this is like this is a completely unsolicited point I'm going to make here. He is the only person who reacts well to being – she's the only person who he reacts well to when they call him Ben. He sneers at Snoke. You know, we can't see his face when Han says it, but I can only assume he didn't like hearing it. But again, like you see that like – oh, in his eyes when Ray calls him Ben in the elevator. Like we're in the when they're in the turbo lift going to see uh, Supreme Leader Snoke, and she says Ben. Like you're gonna see him go, oh shit, I, I like my name when you say it. <laughs> he just <laughs> the touch of a woman. <laughs> so yeah, I don't like I said if Ray's a Mary Stew for helping save Ben Solo, then Luke is a Mar- Marty Stew for helping Anakin. Makes sense. Makes sense. But we are led to believe, for the most part, that the the protagonist in the sequel trilogy is is Ray, and and it, well, actually, as, as we're watching, that's we are supposed to see her as the one around whom the story, you know, revolves for the most part. And yes, there's also some Kylo that goes into that, and we see what what's going on with Kylo independent of what's going on with Ray but from start to finish it would seem like this is predominantly Ray's story this is this is Ray's journey of self with the added advantage of having Kylo Ren 
in the mix as well. We see his character development. We see what's going on with Luke, and we, we see what's going on with Finn and Poe and Leia and the Resistance. But predominantly, it's about Rey, right? Well, I want to say J.J. Abrams made this comment as well. Um, but Ryan Johnson was very stalwart in saying that he views Rey and Kylo Ren as co-protagonists. And that while the story focuses on Rey in a way, that's mostly because viewing it through her lens is the more engaging way to do it. And that if you don't have all of the – if you don't have a full deck with whomever on the dark side is working with, by virtue of the dark side being the evil side of the movie, it is – it's better to not know what the other guys are doing. So, but Ryan Johnson has referred to Ray and Kylo as co-protagonists and that this is their story. Right. And that this is, this is a story that follows the both of them. It's just a little bit more Ray heavy, but it's, it's meant to be about the both of them. Right. So if we see Ray as a, for the most part, as a whole, she's a fairly static character up to this point. We see a little bit of, like you said, the fluctuation with her taking on some of Kylo Ren's strengths and giving Kylo some of her strengths. We see a li- we see some development there, but she's not going to have a major character shift so far as we can foresee. But as and we have- like something, just trying to make sure I understand what you're saying. Like something this may be analogous to. Luke in A New Hope or Empire versus Return of the Jedi Luke. Right. Like, where he, like he almost feels like a completely different person in that movie. Right. I doubt that, that we're going to see that kind of a turnaround in the next movie. What do, what do, you, do you think that's – I don't know. I don't uh, – right now the word is that it's episode 9 is one year after The Last Jedi. So there's some time. There's some time. Flexibility. Um, that's, that... that's about as long as it was between Empire and Jedi. Um. I don't know. Um, I would beg to differ that Rey has been static through The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, though. Um, I think we have seen Rey gone from the unassuming, I need to get back to Jakku, I have no place in this, I don't know what the hell is going on, and I have no stake in this fight, I'm just kind of along for the ride, to somebody who by the end of the movie is committed to fighting this fight. And somebody who, in finding her own strength, has found cause and has found meaning. And I think Ray has reached her point of the story where she is now, where she knows who she is. And she is now waiting for Ben to catch up to her. Um... So, no, I, I, I would hesitate to use – or maybe I'm reading into you using the word static too much, but Rel- – Relatively. We're, we're not going to see nearly as drastic a character change from her as we no. foreseeably see from Kylo. Be, no. And but, if, if we're going to see a big if, character change, it's going to be – It's going to be Kylo. It's going to be Kylo so, becoming Ben Solo right. again. So if yeah. that is the case for Kylo and the, the main factor that causes that shift is Rey – and again, we're using the comparison there with Kylo being the dynamic and Ray being the static. It seems almost to the skeptic of Raylo 
that for Rey being such a static character and being instrumental in Kylo's redemption, that does a really, really uh, serious injustice to Rey's character in de-emphasizing her importance as herself, not just what she can provide for the dynamic character, okay. but because we have seen through Rey, we have seen a lot of praise for her being, yes, a strong female character that that reflects, you know, somebody like Leia that we all loved in in the original trilogy. This this independent character who has this this strength and charisma about her that we see in Rey. She rescues and, others just as much as she is rescued. Exactly. And that is that is a, a, a touch point that has received a lot of praise, um, not just from from the women of Star Wars fandom, but also from from the men. And so to say that she exists in this plot line to remain the relatively static while emphasizing the dynamic nature of her counterpart, it, it, it does a horrible injustice, I think, to the importance of her character. What do you what do you think? About That's a that? really good point. Um First of all, I think Ray's growth, um, what I, I mean, again, this is me kind of reading into the film and the other sources and materials. I feel like Ray, again, has come into her own as a resistance hero and that we will see her existing in that light and her getting the empowerment of, I am a Jedi on the front lines of this conflict. And we will see her grow from the unassuming, I guess I'm a part of this to lightsaber drawn on the battlefront. I am a part of this. Um, and I think that is the cool, that, that is her transition. So there's going to be a lot going on for her character. And we also get to see her flex that truly beautiful and heartwarming compassion that could feasibly save Ben Solo from himself. Um, however, it would be very disheartening to see this very strong female character become nothing more but the, yeah, and my whole arc was to do nothing but save the guy. Right, exactly. It seems um, like such a waste. It seems incredibly diminutive. However, she is not doing that. Ben is making that choice with her help. Um, and I think that her arc, their arcs there there are how do i put this there are two separate arcs for each character there is ray's arc and kylo ren's arc and then there's their shared arc so ray's independent arc is nobody scavenger to resistance hero and kylo slash ben's like solo arc ironically is the fallen Jedi dark sider trying to live with himself and live with his trauma and become a better person through it. And their arcs meet where Ray is curing, not necessarily curing her loneliness, but becoming one with herself truly where Ben is now finding his I'm one with myself and I'm ready for someone else and how they make up two halves of the same whole. So Ray has a lot going on in the same way that Kylo has a lot going on and that both of their arcs are building towards 
their union being what saves the galaxy as a unit. Ray is just as important as Kylo Ren. And Kylo Ren is just as important as Ray. And her arc affects his arc, and his arc affects her arc. They are co-protagonists, and the story services the way that they affect each other. So I don't think Ray's arc and character is wasted by solely saving Kylo Ren because that's not all that she's doing. She is making herself into the woman that she wants to be and always could be. And she is not doing that. F- she is not making Kylo change himself and she is not changing Kylo for Kylo. Kylo needs to make that decision so that he can be with the with Ray at her best. And when he when Ben Solo makes himself his bet, it makes himself his best self. Then he and Ray have a chance to go. But that can only happen when Ray is at her zenith and her arc is complete. And the same goes for Kylo, where their shared arc can then be concluded. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. It does. Congruent, but also separate. Yeah. Story arcs. I, I, I think that's that, an That meet point. in the middle. That meet in the middle. Right. My very, my very last thing is is entirely opinionated, just just based on what I wish I could see if I could craft it myself. You know, the 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 perfect wrapping up of the sequel trilogy, entirely just what I think. And I I imagine I speak for some fans out there who are just thirsty for some new material. It's like you said with George Lucas, the line that you admire so much: Star Wars rhymes like poetry. And it, it, there comes a point it where it it repeats exactly. And and there were – I was among the critics of The Force Awakens who I, I like to call it the Star Wars Greatest Hits album. You know, there's, <laughs> there, there are so many elements from The Force Awakens that were copied and pasted and tweaked just a little bit from from moments that that the original fans loved. You know, you know, droids in the desert, lost Skywalkers on the, on the hunt for, you know, the, the, the plant blowing up the, the base. You know, it's, it's something that – We've all, we've all seen before. It's just tweaked a little bit. And so for somebody who in this sequel trilogy feels like they have a lot of ground to make up in terms of new material, it seems like ending this sequel with Ben coming back to the light side and Ray and Kylo living in, 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 in a farm hut for the rest of their happy day, it's, it seems too easy. you know. It seems like what everybody expects should happen, and so that's what's going to end up happening for the sake of you know, appeasing the audience, you know, for the sake of a, a, a nostalgic, this is the way it should end. So this is the way it will end. Sort of a. Okay. So, so what do you say? There? Okay. Um, my biggest thing with that is, first of all, I don't think that there is. I don't think that appeases the fans in any way. I don't think the fans know what the hell is going to happen. None of us do. And I think there was a whole lot. There was a whole lot of people who were like. No, Kylo Ren made his decision. He's going to die a monster. Um, which <laughs> the Raylo fan in me who wants to see the saddest possible ending really wants – there is this really depressing fan art. I think I sent it to you before that just shows Ray with like a saber through Kylo's chest and he's just like holding on to her, thanking her. 
that 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 could be the darkest, most tragic ending. And y'all are gonna have to commit me after I see the movie. Like y'all are just gonna have to like commit me to mental health for a couple weeks. So I'm not gonna be able to handle that ending. I'm just I'm not gonna be able to. I'm not going to be able to handle that ending for a little bit. Um, Drag you out of the theater, a sobbing mess. Yeah. Oh, my God. Poor I, thing. I'm just kind of like welled up thinking about just how heavy that would be. I mean, like Daisy Ridley's phenomenal actress and Adam Driver in that scene. Oh, like, oh, it makes me so – I don't feel like I could watch episode nine a second time, you know? Like it would be too much for me. <laughs> so sad. You know? It's so, so- – you know, you have that, you know, and the Skywalker family's seen some shit, and like, I just want them to have a happy ending. Ugh. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, like, and you know, and yeah, I'm the cynic. I'm the guy who likes, you know, a darker story, and you know, I. It, God damn! I mean, like, of they've course, been you, through you so much. And of course, there's <laughs> nobody would go to see another Star Wars movie again if they ended the sequel trilogy, like. A sad ending. Yeah, like but that Return of the – original ending for Return of the Jedi yeah, where Han dies and Luke goes into seclusion. And Yeah, no, just, no, nobody wants to see that, inclu- no. including me. But but there has to be another way besides, you know, Raylo end up together. Ben comes back from, from the dark side, becomes a light side, you know, dweller for the rest of his life. And as they gaze off into the sunset – you know the, the the force ghosts of of Luke and maybe even Anakin Skywalker appear and and Yoda sitting on a tree stump <laughs> chuckling to himself. That's I'm glad not you found ending. an excuse to get That's your Yoda laugh on the air <laughs> <laughs> twice you know, now. <laughs> well, you brought it up. I couldn't. Once you once you acknowledge the Yoda laugh, you give me free reign. But oh, that's man. not the ending I want to see. Let's see some new material. No, let's see some yeah, creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, I, let's see. Let's see a different bow. It can still be wrapped up in a pretty bow, as I think everybody wants to happen. <laughs> Nobody wants to be depressed coming out of episode nine. Nobody wants that. I well, think. If they're gonna depress me with episode nine, they better go fucking for the throat, bro. I, I want. Like, yeah, I want. Thank you. I want. I want Ray murdering Kylo Ren. Like I want. Uh, like if like if y'all aren't gonna let this man be redeemed, have her kill him. I want them both crying the whole time. I do not want to walk out of that theater without needing a drink. Um, uh, but, you know, I just – I'm not saying that it doesn't have to be tied up with a pretty bow. It can be a no. pretty bow. Just make it, you know, plaid instead of paisley. Oh, here, here's, what I, here, here's what I'll say to that. It is different because – and again – this is going to open up a different can of worms oh boy. that I am <laughs> I'm barring from this conversation. And maybe this can be our next debate. This deep dive. This podcast is already too long. To yeah, we can, maybe this will be the next worms. like debate pod. Right, do continue. Um, <laughs> you get into the argument as to whether or not Darth Vader was actually redeemed. Oh, my goodness. Jerry. Um, but, 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 but. Boring that conversation, which we can't. We're tabling that. Okay. No, no, no. We're real ta- quick, we're, real ta- quick. We're tabling. No, no, real quick, real quick. Was Jared, Darth Vader redeemed? We're tabling it. Was Darth Vader redeemed? We can't. We can't do real this. Real quick, Jared, your, your fans. Was Darth Vader redeemed? Yeah. I'm supposed to say yes. <laughs> Was he though? Like in your opinion, was Darth Vader redeemed? 
I think so. But okay, tune don't. in next just, time. Just the fact that you brought up that question means you don't. Okay? No, I know I haven't made up my just, mind on that. Okay. okay, that different next time. Next, next time. time. Next for the next uh next time. Um the next debate pod. Uh however, Vader Vader Anakin died immediately after turning back to the light. And the decision he made cost him his life. Stay tuned. Get a sneeze. Sneeze on the way. <coughs> Gets in tight. Oh, geez. I'm probably just blew out TJ's ear, eardrums. But yeah, sorry, sorry about that, everybody. He's. I hope he cuts that out. Yeah, let's cut. Let, let's cut that. Yeah, TJ actually cut that. For Rizzle. Um, my Nizzle. Cut yeah. that too. <laughs> yeah, definitely cut that. Two percent, baby. Two percent. <laughs> <laughs> And, but, um, and we're yeah, back. Definitely cut that. Okay. Um, but Anakin Skywalker dies immediately after his turn back to the light. And he, and he pays a price. He pays with, a, with his life. He pays a price for his, with his life. However, he by doing that, he doesn't really have to own up to what he did. He is not forced to look Leia in the eye. And go, my psychotic rampage cost you your mother, cost you me, and then the people who lovingly took you in, I took them away from you too. And then he has to look at Luke and say, I murdered your childhood friend in cold blood. I took your hand. I emotionally traumatized the both of you because of everything I did. Han, you were dead to the galaxy for a year, and that's my fault. It has to look at the entire Rebel Alliance. How many of your friends and family have I personally slaughtered? Look to anybody who came from Alderaan and apologize for that. Apologize to everybody from Jeddah. Apologize to anybody who had anything to do with the Rebel Alliance or any of these, any of the countless people that Vader personally executed or played a role in executing was complicit in their murder. He didn't, Anakin did not have to answer for Vader at all. Like, he, he looked his decisions in the eye and decided doing the right thing is more important than me making it out of here. And I'm done letting my family suffer. And he saved his son. And it cost him his life. But he never had to look. Anakin never had to look Vader in the eye. Ben Solo... The emotional weight of him walking on to whatever resistance base or ship after all is said and done, not being able to look anyone in the eye, being incredibly guilty and regretful, and maybe even wishing that 
he didn't walk out of wherever he came from alive because he doesn't want to own. He doesn't want to own up to it, but that he just feels so awful for everything he's done. That like that's how much it hurts him to realize everything he did and the weight that could have, and all of the subsequent stories that we can get of you know. Ben Solo helping to eradicate the First Order Remnant. Oh, it's this whole battalion of First Order troopers that are, uh, you know, still fighting a good fight. We got to take care of them. Okay. Send in the two Jedi. And Ben has to stand next to a resistance trooper who's like, oh, hey. My brother was on Hosnian Prime. I never got to say goodbye to my brother. He's he's space dust because of you and your master. You let that happen. You did that. You were a part of that. You were complicit in that murder and countless others. And even though, like I've said before, Ben Solo does not get a pass. And in the same way that Vader could have done everything he could have and wanted to to say we should not destroy Alderaan, Tarkin and Palpatine still wanted, would have wanted it done. And it still would have happened. And Kylo could have said crippling the New Republic by this grotesque attack and snuffing out trillions upon trillions of lives is so abhorrent. It, 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 there's no words to describe it. Snoke still would have wanted it done. And I have a hard time holding them accountable for something they couldn't have stopped in the first place. You know what I mean? Entirely account- accountable. Like, yeah. There is there is guilt in silence. There's, there's guilt. There's guilt in silence. But. It's also worth kind of conceding. It's not like you could have stopped it anyway. Right. Now, if Vader could have just unilaterally gone, no. And Alderaan be saved? That's different. And same thing with Kylo Ren. If Kylo could have just put his foot down with Snoke. And said, we are not destroying the Hosnian system. And Snoke would have gone, okay, I'll follow you on this. Then all of those lives are on Kylo Ren's head, or on Kylo Ren's hands, and he does not deserve redemption. He does not deserve to be saved. Put him down. He's a monster. Let him die. But he couldn't have stopped it. And... Again, when you are beaten and emotionally scarred the way that I think Kylo Ren was by Snoke, I don't even think he knows how to stand up to him or would have known how to. But regardless, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo would have to square his life with Kylo Ren. 
And that is an arc that if Ben survives and gets to live out the rest of his life, I don't want to say that Ray is his consolation, but again, like who talks first said, you get the arc of every time you've chosen the dark side, it's hurt you. Let the one time you choose the light be the one time you need to for you to get everything you're going to need to want to live through this. And the idea that, yeah, you have to own this now, but she's going to be by your side while you do it. And for every time you lose sight of why this is even worth it, and maybe you should have just gone out with the First Order, and maybe you didn't deserve to be saved... She's going to be there to pull him out of that darkness again and be like, no, you're Ben Solo and you're going to fix this and you're going to fix it right. And you're going to you're Jedi, damn it. Be one. Handle your shit. And I think she's going to help give him the strength to do that. And. There is just so much beauty in that. And I think it's something that is incredibly different. And I don't think that's an arc we've seen before. I don't think you get any more different than that. I don't think you get any more new than that. Is actually getting to see this character who we all kind of feel like is beyond reproach. Have to live with what redemption actually is. And the responsibility that comes with that. I think that is the most fascinating thing about Rayla is you did a whole lot of wrong, but love can save you. And love is the balance. Love is the balance of the force. Love is what will save the galaxy. You know, people can talk as much shit as they want about Rose Tico. She's fucking right. And that is how this war is going to be won. It's not going to be won by blowing up another superweapon or killing another tyrant or, you know, removing whomever from power. It's by taking somebody who maybe doesn't deserve a second chance and giving it to them anyway. On the basis that they clean up the mess from their last chance. I just think that is just so beautiful and has a chance to just be what ties all three trilogies together. And like I said earlier, Ben is the reverse Anakin. And that's the best way to do it. And that is, that's Raylo right there is pulling light out of darkness but also having enough dark in the light to be human. Makes sense. 
Well, that's all I have for you. Yeah. Um. Done picking your brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, it is worth talking about though, because I feel like a lot of people write off Raylo as you know, it's it's an excuse to have Adam Driver all over Daisy Ridley. <laughs> and it's you know no it, it, it's the new uh joker harley you know oh um, i don't see that at all no and you know it, it, it's there's a terrible a, idea that but but there's got to be more to it than that no but yeah, yeah. for those who disagree <laughs> clearly i didn't sway you either but but no uh, no no we, we no. tend that that tends to be the the effect of our debates yeah Thoughtful consideration, but not much, not much ground gained. No, <laughs> no. But um, if I'm right, I'm having you back on the air for like a thirty-second clip of Jared was right. Oh, for crying out loud! You'll never hear those words out of my mouth unless I was you wrong. unless you really earn it. Come it, this time next year when we find out, then maybe. Does my does my predict, prediction on Steel Wars have to come true that uh they that like that's the final shot of the movie is them piloting the Falcon together? <sighs> if that is the case, then yes, <laughs> I will I will publicly declare <laughs> I will publicly declare that you were right. Good shit. But not now. Um, no, but like, and this is the cool thing though is that like a couple weeks after the Force Awakens came out. People were writing essays and doing video essays all over the internet. Like, holy shit! Like, this, this is this is it. People predicted almost all of the Last Jedi through Raylo, and people were just so clued into this tension between them. Um, we, uh, the like I said, like, don't be afraid. I feel it too. You know, people were able to go, no, Ray is not a Skywalker. Luke is secluded because he hates what he, he blames himself. And like people, they latched onto this and went, something is up with this kid beyond just being a dark sider and went from there. And I, we, we mentioned it earlier and I just, I just wanted to address it because I don't think it ever naturally came up. Um, the abusive side of Raylo, because I know this is an issue for a lot of people, um, and me making the Joker Harley comparison kind of brought me back to this. There needs to be a threshold and like um, kind of understanding that we have. This revolves around two people who are on opposite sides of a conflict. Um. So, them locking horns is going to be expected. Um, Kylo Ren force pushes Ray into that tree because she pulled a fucking gun on him. <laughs> Dem- domestic violence. Yeah, it's not really domestic. It's, 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 you know, it's two it's people. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know? yeah, they're, they're, they're at odds with each other. And you know, he's not defense. Yeah. I, I would, I would throw Jared into a tree if he pulled a gun on me. Yeah, as you should. <laughs> and I, Granted, a tree was available <laughs> to throw you yes. into. And you've also been struck telekinetic, but that's true. Um, but uh, there, there's that, and I also, um, 
I, I feel like it's really obvious that he's not trying to kill her during the lightsaber duel. Um, I, I, I don't think that like the whole, you need a teacher. I can show you the ways of the force. Like, I don't feel like that's a, I don't feel like he's saying that just as he's tired of fighting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he's just pretty like, Hey, I'm just trying to like, get you to calm down here. You know, like, I don't like, can you, can, can you listen to me for a bit? Cause I, I, I think I could train you. I bet you do that instead of trying to. No, no, you're okay. <laughs> um, so I, I, I wanted to address that. I was actually really surprised that it didn't come up. Um, it should have. It, yeah, I, I was expecting it to. Um, I feel like we talked about the forms and the themes so much that like we didn't really talk about like as much logistical stuff. Like there was a decent amount of that, and like we got into like the mental, but it, but it was an emotional you know, aspect of it. But on the side, yeah, on the side. Um, but I I wanted to put that out there um, for people who are skeptical of Raylo because they kind of don't want to throw their hat into a, an abusive uh, camp. Um, I don't think it is because again we're dealing with two people on separate sides of a conflict. So <laughs> unless you view um, Vader and Luke's lightsaber duels as like parent-child abuse. I don't really think you can qualify that as domestic violence because they're two soldiers in a war going at it who eventually fall in love. Quit kicking the table. I'm, I can, the, I'm sorry. Can you hear that? Yeah, I can hear that. I'm sorry. Everybody else can hear that. I, I was just – Say you're sorry. I'm sorry. There you go. You douche. I was just tapping my foot to the – and I won't. Back down song. I can't remember what it's called. At Thanks the for the copyright strike. Hey, baby. Yeah, I'm sorry. Can we sing anything else? Got us no, in trouble? I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. No? TJ. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so I think that is it for the Ray, to the great Raylo debate. Um, that was pretty great. That was pretty great. That was pretty great. Uh, I want to thank uh, Spencer for coming on the show today uh, for this little deep dive podcast we did here. Um, if you guys like this, uh, we'll probably <laughs> do one talking about Vader's maybe redemption. Oh my goodness. I don't that'd know if fun. I can handle that. That'd be fun. Um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting. Like talk about like the, did he really, did he really, really, do you, do you yeah, come this, back from child murder? This, this is revisionist history, man. Oh, <laughs> oh man. That is okay. We're definitely having that podcast oh, now. You, guys, <laughs> you, you, were, you, okay, you made up my mind for dude, me. Forget can of worms, man. This is this is all of the worms. All of the worms. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you for coming on the air. Where can the nice people find you on the social medias? Uh, you can hit me up on Instagram, Spenceman dot cosplays. Right there's there's a dot in there. There's a dot. And then I also uh, uh, I also belong to the New Regime Cosplayers. Make sure you check us out as well uh, on on Instagram. See what we're all about. And it's 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 been it's been a fun time. It's yeah. Been, I'm glad to have been on the show for you. And and stay real, people. It's been fun. It's been fun. So like everybody kind of has their uh, like little nicknames like TJ. The, TJ Bardo is his thing, and uh, you know we got the um, uh, Red Leader for uh, one of the gentlemen. We got Chad Vader, Chad, like like, Chad. like Spen like Spencer the Mando. 
I don't know. I'm no, I'm chill. No. With, I'm good with Spence Man. That's good enough. Spence Man. Spence Mando. Spence Mando. Hey. Yeah, I'm on Spence Man. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I know this is a little too corny for That's me. It's a little too corny for you. But uh, I'm a big fan of the Mandalorians. Yeah. So if uh, you want to, it's coming from Spence so. the Mando or just Spence Man, whatever you like. Yeah. All right. I'm not well, too picky. Well, that was Spence Man, and I am Jared the Dark Jedi. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dark Jedi twenty five fifty two. And like I said, follow our cosplay group, New Regime Cosplay. Um, both of them are in my Instagram bio, so if you follow me, you can just hit uh, mine and the uh, Dewback Instagram as well. So thank you guys for listening, and may the Force be with you always.